Yeah, I wanted to touch on that too because I, I do have like a uh, part I wanted to touch on because uh, the reason we did start interacting on Twitter was because of the whole I want to say Aunt Jemima thing you tweeted about where you were <laughs> tweeted like wait they canceled Aunt Jemima and there's still racist stuff going on and I can't it. right and you like tweeted back man I even said I was like listen as a white person from the outside looking in all I could see is this. And you mentioned that you used to be on one side and you kind of did like a 180 and now you're fighting older white women about how black you are. And like, how do you deal with that? And what made you switch if you don't mind talking about that? Yeah, no, I don't mind it at all. I think I think most more people need to start talking about it, especially as comedians. Like, I, I don't know when, like artists started biting their tongues like and why uh we were the ones that were supposed to be outspoken about you know these things uh and it just shifted completely and it's just a shame because there are people that i respect or used to respect <laughs> i should say that i'm just like <laughs> like as comedy peers and i'm just like why are you so close-minded and just not open to even having conversations about these things um but yeah, I used to be on the left. I used to be on like, not like hardcore left, but cause I've always been somewhat a little bit conservative with my values and views. Uh, but I, I, you know, just, it was a, a identity politics. I was like, oh, I'm black. So I must like, I can't be over there. Cause they're mm -hmm. the ones that everyone, they're, they're the racist ones. And I don't blame a hundred percent. I don't blame all the liberals, um, for the way that they think. I mean, I blame them in that they, they need to be start searching other places for their information because you have complete control over that. But, you know, if you're a person that watches mainstream media all the time and you keep hearing this narrative of how evil one side is and that's all you hear, that's what you believe. And that's where I was. And I knew, I, I mean, I'm a huge like conspiracy person. Like I've gone down all the rabbit holes. I don't believe a lot of them, but I do believe a lot of them. And I have always known that mainstream media manipulates. I didn't know that, but even knowing that, like I still got lost in that whole, this is what I'm black. I need to believe this. I need to vote for this person. I need to be, you know, this, or I'm the, or I'm a sellout. I'm a coon. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I woke up. I woke up. I woke up during the pandemic, which is I, I was hoping most people would have woken up during the pandemic because you had time to be at home and do some actual research. But uh, a lot of people are still asleep. <laughs> what, what, what did it, though? Because the pandemic's only been a year. Was it like a tweet someone sent you? Was it did you watch something on a on a media network? and like, fuck this. Like, I'm yeah. out. Yeah, no, I went on YouTube. So I have a friend <laughs> who uh has been, we've always talked about conspiracy theories together, but there were certain conspiracies that she was aware of that she never like mentioned to me. And cause she was like, I didn't think you were ready. And I'm like, I'm always, <laughs> like, I'm always ready. Okay. <laughs> and so uh, I called her over to my house and we just had, we had this thing called conspiracy Thursday where we would just go on YouTube. And this was before all the censorship started happening. This was like right before they started pulling down uh, conservative views from YouTube and other social platforms. And so we would just start going down all these rabbit holes. And there was one particular video that made me just be like, oh, snap. And it was the Trump video where you remember how when the Charlottesville, when it was that he was saying there are good people on both right, sides. Right, right, 
And I saw the full length of the video on YouTube where he says specifically, I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis. I'm talking about, (laughs) you know, the good people on that side that just want to protect the statues for whatever, for history purposes or whatever. And uh, I saw that video and I was like, I knew uh, I knew the media manipulates, and I knew they're capable of you know of putting out information like that to skew it towards their their narrative. But in that moment, I was like, I wonder what else did they have they manipulated that Trump has said? And I was like, oh, and then I just started going, and I saw more right. and more and more, and I was like, not that I'm not a Trump supporter either. I'm just a person. I'm in the middle. Like I'm just, I'm just like I don't trust either one of these sides. I know what's really going on. That they pit us against one another so that we don't fight the real enemy, which is you know the elites, them, working class. Yeah. And that's them. Sir, you know what these people should start doing, and like everybody should do this. Just, just for your speeches, create an OnlyFans account. Don't let anyone have it for free. Because then they can't manipulate it. That's true. Everyone's got to pay for it if you want to see oh, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So are you talking to me, Brian? I should agree on it? <laughs> oh, not Definitely. you. Nobody wants to know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> no one cares what you have to say. <laughs>
you know, one of the finalists, so I always moved on, you know? Yeah, you, like, knew how to market yourself and audience before you were even big, man. That's Oh, yeah, well, that's just work. That's that bar life, and it was really close-knit. There was, like, 10 or 15 bars that all knew each other, kind of, you know? Yeah. Plus the regulars and all the students. It's all – nobody left that area. It's like Tempe and Rule area right there. Up to up to ten up to rule and mill. If you know anything about Arizona State and Phoenix, that area that's like the ASU made area. Well, not now. A lot of they thought changes, but before there used to be a ton of bars. And I just uh, I, I never even went out with anybody. I just go out by myself, just get hammered. You know, I knew all the bartenders. They all, you know, <laughs> that's, that's the biggest perk when you bartend in like a a scene. Other people yeah. come to your bar, you go to their bar. Nobody pays. You just tip. That's fucking awesome. I got into the wrong line of work. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'll tell you what, I, I still drank a shitload just as much as everybody else except I was making money instead of spending it. Right, yeah, sounds like a good fucking I mean, investment. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying that's the route you want, I'm not like, <laughs> it's just, that, hey, if you want to do it, well, it's just a little bit, I mean, I still had a mop and shit, you know, but I got I got paid <laughs> to get lit instead of having, you know. You were wasted mopping like this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did some dumb shit at the end. When I started to get really not give a fuck, I really... Can you tell a story or no? Some uh, one time, yeah, one time I was looking at this nightclub in Santa Monica, like one of my last bar jobs. It was probably like in 2006 or seven or eight. And, uh, and it was this night, nightclub. And, and, and now during at, in the early evening, it was a dining, dark restaurant. This cool-ass blind homie had this concept in the back room. It's called Dining in the Dark. So you just go in there with your date. You pick fish, chicken, or, uh, fish, chicken or beef. And this guy walks you in there, and you just, it's pitch-ass black, dark. So you just go in there, and you're supposed to, like, you're supposed to, like, have your other senses take over when you're on the meal experience or whatever. Uh, it was just cool shit, though. And, uh, but then they would move all that shit out of the way. I mean, at the end of the day, you turn the lights on, it looked crappy. It looked like it was just some tables and some chairs, like, nothing <laughs> nice in there, because it was fucking in the dark. Like, no one yeah. cares what it looks like. You just got to sit down. And uh, so they'd move all that stuff out of the way. And then at night, it was a nightclub. And on one night at New Year's, we got hammered. And I was, like, already asleep before the place was closed. And I was supposed to be bar backing. And they wake me up. And uh, <laughs> he's like, you know, you got to fucking come finish, dude. So I'm out there hammered for finishing my job. And then at some point during the night, they had all these, like, like, like nightclub ottomans, dude. They must have had 50 of them they didn't ever use. And so I was just hammered. I'm like, I need one of these in my apartment, man. <laughs> so, like, drunk as shit, almost blacked out. I, I grabbed this. Right in the middle of like New Year's Eve party at this club, I take this thing out the back, and then I take it to my car and I put it in the back seat of my car. Right, and I cover up the clothes, and then I'm like, "Well, I can't leave my car here. I gotta move my car down the street, dude." So, in case the owner don't come out and see it with the fucking see me with his ottoman, and I get let go for stealing an ottoman, and I'm almost blacked out. So, I move my car around the corner down the street, and then I uh, get off work like three hours later or whatever. And I forgot I moved my car. I forgot I stole the stupid ass ottoman. <laughs> so I'm calling the cops. You know, you know my car's stolen, man. Get... <laughs> and the cops like, Nah, dude, your car is stolen, bro. You're hammered, and it's New Year's, dude. You just don't know where it's at. He goes, It's probably a good thing because you try. So you, you sound like you should be driving anyway, dude. Yeah. And no. I'm like, My fucking car's stolen, dude. I know. I would know if I if I moved my car. Then I work all night, asshole. <laughs> Well, you, yeah. see, you see these polls coming out, and, like, let's say, oh, Biden up 59 to 41. I've never gotten called for a fucking poll. You know no. what I mean? Because you don't like, have a home phone. 
That's true. That's <laughs> and you don't and you don't have Alzheimer's. That's well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they call during the day and they call home phones. Yeah, but like you and people with Alzheimer's, they have these. Like I know who I'm gonna call to make my numbers look good. And what you said though, I I love what you said about the people who only agree with the people who like they hang out with all they agree with. They don't see a conservative mind. We're fortunate enough in our group of friends. Like half of them are like uh, one way, the other half or the other. So we all hang out together and have different. Wait, Scott, Scott, listen to what you just fucking said. What? Group of friends. Oh, you're These right. These guys don't have yeah. groups of friends. Right. And, yeah. and yet, so they they're all social. They're all social misfits who maybe and, just get together and become misfits as one. Is that what you're saying? And, I, and listen, I, I'm going to say this live on camera, and I don't give a fuck. Nobody could cancel me. I don't have a Netflix deal. They don't seem very masculine. <laughs> <laughs> they don't seem very manly to me. These guys don't look like they've ever fucking lost a, a, a meaningful sports game in their childhood. They look like they all quit soccer after the ball hit their face. You know what I mean? Like, yep. these guys look like they give you those vibes, bro. Yeah. And it's like, I'm wondering if this is attack, a, an attack on masculinity, like the nerds strike back through that sense, and also attack on... um fucking ideology it's it's almost a get back on a lot of shit because it's like you know this seems very this seems silicon valley-ish this doesn't seem user-based this seems very tech this seems tech oriented explain to me something I, and i want I, I feel like i took the conversation to another place and i apologize for that hopefully it's a good place it's fine i kind of got body slammed on my whole joey diaz thing so we can move on from that yeah you, yeah i'm gonna let him know you said he got allegations but i'm fucking oh jo uh -huh. i did not i did not mean it like that you know yeah, you guys well, know we, what we, i meant we kept the files loaded all right all right um yep. so um so Sp joe gets a hundred million dollar spotify deal spotify right. is a tech company by the time that shit's been announced they're already going at pot they're trying to get Dude, com com comedy's being attacked now. Comedians yeah. are being attacked, and it's being politicized, and it's and the, all of that. They're going after masculine men, bro. Like Chris yeah. Lee is, is the most feminine, masculine guy yeah. ever. But 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 he, to, to it's the, so weird, right? He comes tech, off so feminine, but he just has this masculinity. He has about, a masculine presence. A to thing. the tech world, he's like the Rock. You know what oh, I mean? God. To us. Yeah. To us, he's like the nerdy guy who right. might get dirty in a football game with us. You know what I mean? We're like Chris. I, I, like, might, I might throw him the ball on third and four, yeah, maybe. And maybe. On first and deep. Yeah, yeah. Maybe hey, he'll get maybe. Yeah. Hey, go. It's oh, like the Bill. Yeah. It's like the, wow. This is going full circle. It's like the Bill Cosby skit. Odd that yeah. that came up. Remember when he just you, says he, he says you just go long. It's that one got you, friend. Got you. Yeah, he, yeah he, 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 he seems like the guy you might throw him the pass like on first down and then he looks at <laughs> Chris to catch it. But, yeah. Chris, but, but what I'm saying is even that is more like you put Chris D'Elia in a room full of those guys. He's the alpha. Mm -hmm. Those guys can't out-talk him. They're not sharper than him. They can't get girls in person. If, they, if those guys brought their girls in a bar, Chris D'Elia will walk home with them mm. and do all the shit Joey Diaz was saying he was doing in the video. <laughs> and, well, actually, and, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be they wouldn't be allowed in the bar, uh, according and, yeah, to. And, oh. and they, they wouldn't walk into the bar unless it was a fucking webcam bar. Yeah. But like these are the people who are creating the platforms that people are using to cancel. And I find it so convenient, utterly commodious, that yeah, I'm using words. 
that fucking they're going after these type of men and they're going after free thinking uh uh freedom of speech shit they they've been doing freedom of speech shit right so they're not they're, they're not are, going they're not going after like and I like the guy as a comedian they're not going after like the Chris Gethards of the world no 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 right? no yeah. no, no not going, at all but what's the fat the guy, guy what's the What's the fat boy that does his fucking podcast with his wife? That Bill Burr was Tom like Segura? annihilating him. Burt Kreischer. Yeah, Tom Segura. Burt Kreischer. Uh, no, not Tom Segura. Burt Kreischer. He's another one. He's real geeky fat dude that does it with his wife, and he also reviews all these old videos and shit. I, it, it, I think it's called like the HD something podcast. It's like it has like a name, Hi-Fi or some shit. Like, and he uh, hosts it with his wife. You guys don't know? No, Bill, no. If, don't Bill know. Burr annihilated the guy for like an hour, but he's this really soft, um, you know, heart kind of seeming seemingly harmless kind of dude with a you know skinny foreign wife <laughs> they look very like you know polite and agreeable on many things and they just kind of co they're common they comment on things they're not criticizing things they don't have good outside viewpoints the shit that's being attacked look at these people that are being attacked these are all people that have these traits mm -hmm. that shit seems a little bit it seems weird and here's the thing I read a book called End of America by Naomi Wolf. Great book. And one of, yes, Scott, read a book. Fucking, for fucking, fucking, um, <laughs> when they make a movie, I'll go watch it. You know what, Scott, I'll watch it when it's in Netflix suggestions and it's yeah. number one in the world. That's when it's like, oh, I've got to watch this. That's not shit. true. I didn't, like the, I didn't like the Outer Banks. I thought it was yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you guys, you watch how does this, this always turns into <laughs> shitting on me. I hate this. Because it's the, the easy part. target. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are the easy target. Because you know? that's oh, the algorithm one we're on here. I know. <laughs> I even have my face on my sweater. I mean, like. Well, algorithm. That's why you're getting shit on. Like, yeah. that's the main reason. Do you want you know this? I mean? Ollie, do you Dude, want one of these? Scott, drink your beer. Just drink your beer. You're just staring at it. It's getting warm. You're going to drink oh. warm beer, bro. This Duh. isn't an episode of oh, Cheers, hey. bro. I imagine when you were a kid, you know, going out to do these things, there had to have been some level of fear, um, yeah. regardless of how prepared you are for anything you're doing. And I feel like this goes for anyone. Um, there is a level of fear. So how did you kind of work through that and go to do these things? You know, he started drinking at a young age. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's all another subject, but uh, yeah, man, it's um, it's it, it was uh, yeah, fear was yeah. You you learn about fear, and you learn to you learn to face it, look it in the eyes. I I still cope with it quite a bit, just like in everyday stuff. And I like to scare myself a lot. I just think it just kind of makes you makes me like feel the most alive. Um, I think. Well, there's, there's fear in which, like, I think on these mountains for the most part, like I, I very, it was very rare instances where I was like actually scared for my life. Um, the, uh, well, one of those obviously like being, there was a, and this goes into a whole different story. Um, being on Mount Everest, we were roughly like two and a half weeks into the climb. And, uh, in between camps at one point we were, uh, crossing over and traversing across like the only glacial point, like the rest of the, the, the rest of the mountain was going to be like mostly exposed ridgeline and winds in which like, you know, weather is kind of like more your enemy up there. This point, we actually had to deal with more unpredictable forces such as like shifting 
glaciers and ice and uh, all this different stuff. That's, you know, entirely why we avoided going on the south, uh, south side of Mount Everest, where you, they, where you see the, uh, where you cross over the Kumbu ice fall, which is a constantly moving and shifting glacier that just is so unpredictable. It's just such a horrible place to be in. So that being said, uh, that's why we chose the north side, but there's still a little bit of a, a, um, a section where you have to cross over that. And uh, I remember it so vividly, like we, it was a super, super hot day. I mean, I mean, it was probably like 40 degrees, but like, that's so hot up there, you know, like mm. you're down to your, you know, base layers and fleece and whatnot. And uh, I remember crossing by two people um, cause we followed this fixed rope on the way up basically. And so we got to kind of unclip and reclip back into, um, into like these, uh, it, like in between anchors essentially in which these, this rope is kept in to kind of put it simply. And so you cross, you cross paths with some people, obviously and you kind of got to unclip and just kind of like make way for them and whatnot. So we, I remember crossing two people and just simply said hi. Um, and then after continuing on for probably like, you know, eight more minutes or so. Um, I remember my dad just kind of like having this instinctual thing to say and was like, Hey man, uh, or just kind of like told our team, like, Hey guys, we should probably pick up the pace a little bit. Like, I don't have a great feeling about, uh, like we just need to get out of this zone as quickly as possible because, uh, up to our left, as we were kind of traversing across, uh, this area up to our left was this absolutely, gigantic what seemed just like a massive commercial building um just full-on like it, it was just like huge and just like we were in the shadow of it and it was just like one of the most daunting things to like kind of see in a way and also just one of those things that's just like you just didn't have a good feeling being there so after like you know about two more minutes after that i kid you not man it was like um I don't know what's the best way to probably in uh, best way to, uh, to try to uh, describe it. It's like, <clears throat> it, it was almost like being in a bombing scenario, which was like, it, it's kind of crazy to describe it like that. But like all of a sudden you just feel this like huge booming noise. That is just like, you can just feel it in like all of your nerves and just like all of your, you know, it's like a deafening boom almost. And then you just see like right above you, all of a sudden you just see like, chunks and uh slabs of ice just coming down and collapsing and then all of a sudden you just you see it collapse and then all of a sudden you see this cloud of uh white smoke and uh, and snow just kind of rushing towards you like faster than you can even react like you can't even count to three fast enough like you just like are like okay what ha whatever happens happens and so um i mean that was that was an event that really tested fear for me um and i think it was just like uh <laughs> a, a moment in which I was like, yeah, whatever happens, happens, but we'll see where we end up and then kind of work from there. But at the same time, it's like, I could be dead. Who knows? It's like kind of one of those things that you just like can only fight so much. Yeah. Luckily, luckily the, the dust settles were, I'm buried up to my abdomen basically in, uh, in all the snow. Uh, my dad is uh, roughly like, one or two feet behind me, not far at all. And then, um, and then one of the, one of our Sherpa guides, Lama Karma Sherpa, he's right behind us or right behind him. And, uh, I'm just trying to remember, like, I see my dad get up and all of a sudden I just noticed this red spot on, he was wearing like a green toque or like a beanie and he had this red spot 
And I was like, I was kind of confused. Like I didn't notice it until like a little bit later after that, we were just so focused on like, we were just so full of adrenaline. We just like need to get up and get out. And, um, and so the second half of our team, I mean, it was only six of us. So the other uh, two or three were just right above us, like probably about a hundred yards or so we go link up with them. And I see my dad, I'm like, dad, like what happened? What happened right here? He's like, dude, you're, He's like, dude, your crampons literally went right into my uh, forehead. If you don't know what a crampon is, it's like the the spiky. Um, it's it's like this attachment that you uh, clamp to the bottom of your boot in order to like keep you stable on like firm snow and ice. And so these were like brand new, razor sharp. And then uh, one had fully like gone into his skull and like uh, punctured like a pretty big wound. And then um, I didn't notice until later because we were all like just so you know live it off of adrenaline and then we finally get up to camp two and then or get up to camp one and uh then you know my dad shows me he like opens these like little holes in his pants and he shows me like uh on both of his thighs both my crampons went into uh, and puncture like both his uh thigh muscles um i I didn't even have words i I was like i I know that sorry is not going to be enough here and i knew he would you know, how can you be mad at that, you know, in that kind of situation? But still, I was just like, I don't, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I played the, you know, go out, you know, try to get a deal. I did that. I, that's how I ended up on Showtime. That's that's how I ended up on that stupid fucking show. I want to ask you about that. Yeah, how'd that happen? Because you were around before the 8-mile boom happened, right? As the sort oh, of yeah. 8-mile yeah. boom. So, like, the late yeah. 90s you were doing it, and then 8-mile hit. And at that point, you battled, or were you like, all right, a door opened. Let's go. Was that, like, your reaction? At first, then it got fucking crazy. Everything just became battle. You know, it was, yes. like, really getting cheesy, kind of. Yeah. Because that's when the MTV battle happened. That's when, like... You know, the corporations started getting their hands on it, which can be good and bad all at once. You know, it, it can get a lot of money thrown your way, but it can also, you know, pigeonhole you into like a cheesy commercial event like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, like the Showtime battle, that was random, dude. It was, uh, how'd that happen? Um, they, were, they were stuck for a New York artist, right? And I think they reached out to Technique, actually. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I can't do that. I got a record out. I'm like, he was starting to, that's like when he was starting to pop off a little bit, like starting to really get big in the underground. And he's like, I'm not doing that. He's like, let me ask, Diabolic might do it. He's like, I'll ask him. And he called me up and asked me if I I was interested in doing it. I said, all right, I'll try. Let me talk to you. This dude, Todd won who had a terrible record out back in the day, if you look him up. He was a cool guy. Though. He was a nice guy. He was a producer for Showtime at the time. Todd won. Yeah, yeah. He had, like, one of those kind of cheesy jock jam, like, weird records out way back when. You, you look him up, you'll see what I mean. <laughs> um, he called me up and was like, oh, yeah, you know, fucking, we're doing the show. He explained a little bit about it, what it would be. And he was like, you know, you, you came highly recommended. I hear you battle this, that, and the third. And he's like, can you... But I spit something over the phone. He was like, whoa, all right. Three days later, a fucking production crew showed up in a van with cameras, getting out of the car with cameras, starting to film me in front of my fucking house. What the fuck is this, you know? <laughs> it's like, what is going on here? 
<clears throat> which is crazy because I, you know, like, see, I didn't fit their mold when I did it. I was already doing shit. Yeah. Like, I was in the studio. You don't see it on the fucking show. If you, obviously, you can't even look that show up anymore. But when you watched it, like, I was in the studio with Smooth the Hustler, and they were filming us. We were doing a record. Yeah. And they didn't put any of that on. They cut all that shit out. Because they, it made me look too uh, established. Established, yeah. Yeah. So they cut all that out. They didn't tell me who you They didn't tell you who you were battling. They didn't tell you nothing. And then it was, it was fucking very weird. Like the event itself. Because I killed that girl. Uh, the, the that's girl I what I want to get into, Diabolic. That? Okay, I watched Marv 1 Pat Stay, where Pat Stay lost. I don't know how. I've watched battles for the last 15 years, and 17 years later, that is the biggest hose job in a battle I've ever fucking seen. In Dude, I bodied her. Yes. Like, to where I got in an argument with my friend Albert. To like, I remember leaving because we watched it. It was like a Saturday night, and you had this one line, you couldn't spit tight shit if your ass had vice grips or something like that, I remember. <laughs> and you murdered her, and I was like, what the fuck were the judges thinking? Like, Well, this is the thing, right? They, this was funny because it, it was kind of a setup. It was kind of a setup. Like, they, they had a plan. They didn't expect me to do that. They, they didn't, didn't expect me win. to be good. They didn't expect me to fucking rip her like that. So they were trying not – like, we both got – X amount of people that were allowed to come with us. And then they had a small crowd surrounding. It wasn't that big. It was probably 7,500 yeah. people around us to make it look like that, right? And then it was crowd judged. And it was mad even. Like the crowds were just both yelling, you know? And the fucking producer, this lady Jillian Fleer, who's a fucking kook, she fucking, she holds up a sign for Dougie Fresh to say that the girl won. Wow. For him to read, you know, like she held it up from yeah. behind. They had like this little tent with all the soundboards and the production shit. It was pretty fucking funny. It was. It was kind Did of a setup. Did you see the sign? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You <laughs> can see it. Like it was right there. Who was more, <laughs> who's more surprised? I, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and who was more surprised? You or the girl? Was she like, I won? Well, she knew who I was. Oh, She yeah. knew who I was. She, okay. she used to go to EOW, end of the week. They all know me over there. Like, when they found out she was battling me, all of them were like, oh, fuck. I, I, they knew <laughs> what it was. They were like, oh, Jesus Christ. This is who they bring out, right? Yeah. And fucking. But uh, they offered me another show that I turned down. They wanted me to go around the country and battle random people. Ew. Yeah. Like, just, just random yeah, people like... in random hoods and shit. Like, they basically are, hey, You're in Nebraska. Guy, we want to bring you to random ghettos around the fucking country and have you battle the black people. We'll be, back, in, we'll be back in 10 minutes. We'll just drop you off. Uh, <laughs> the, the I battled that in one America. kid on the Staten Island Ferry. So they saw yeah. I wasn't scared to battle. I battled that one kid. I murked him too. And fucking, they, they, I was like, that's fucking corny. I'm good. I'm yeah. good on all that. That might be the most dangerous job you could do. Let's drop you off in the worst areas in America and talk shit to random strangers. <laughs> I, I mean, it would have it would have been interesting, but it's like, oh yeah, it's just kind of corny. You know what I mean? It's almost yeah. like uh, you know they they want you to become fucking Simon Rex or something. You know, yeah. go out there and act like a fucking dick. We're gonna dress you up in silly outfits. Yeah. You know? Well, you have to say big. how. 
you don't have to say how much, but would the money have been good? Would it have been worth it? Were they cover like how would it go? You on a tour bus, they flying you out? I don't know. I don't know. This shit was pretty low budget from what I saw. I yeah. got five hundred bucks for that show. Jeez. Not that Damn. we were supposed to get paid. They just sent us like a they they sent me in the mail like a five hundred dollar check randomly. Like we weren't supposed to get paid. We yeah. all signed a fucking horrible record deal. Which they tried. It was an Interscope record deal. It was horrible. Yeah, yeah. Horrible I remember. Deal. Didn't Spitfire win that? If I recall, Spitfire. He did. He did right? from LA. Yeah. I wonder what ever happened to him. I've looked for him on the internet. I never found him though. That, that's never a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe they offered him the show and yeah, he battle wrapped in the wrong area. Yeah. Uh, you know who else? Yeah. Nestle. Nestle was on there. Yeah. Nestle was on there. Yeah. Good. And uh, what's his name? Quest McCody. Quest McCody, yeah, he's still around. He he battled in the WRCs. They they did have some legit talent on. Yeah. There. Spitfire was cool. Me and him got fucking wasted out at LA at the release <laughs> party because I took the five hundred bucks and I bought a couple flights with it. Me and Poison Pen went out there Jeez. and fucking uh, I got fucking drunk as shit with Kid from Kid and Play at the party. Wow. He, he wow. was like a fan. He was like, yo. He came up to me and he was like, he had a bald head now, shaved his eraser head off. <laughs> he was like, he's a producer for Showtime. That's what he does now. And he comes up and he's like, yo, whatever you do, don't let these motherfuckers change you. That's what he says to me. He's getting hammered. He's fucking wasted, you know? And he's yeah. like, don't let them change you. He's like, I'm telling you, you're nice as fuck. They're going to try to change you. Get the fuck out of here as fast <laughs> as you can. Get out of here. <laughs> he's like, just get out of here. You'll be fine. Trust me. They're going to try to put you in House Party 6. You need to leave. No, I would have done that shit. <laughs> yeah. He was like, yo, you want to do House Party 6? I'd be like, hell fucking yes. Let's do it. <laughs> Little thing, Class Act was a better movie than all the House Parties. Just throw I like all, oh, but Class Act's one of my favorites. Class Act is phenomenal. Blade <laughs> Brown. Fucking, Duncan Tinder uh, Hughes and hey, shit. Hey, Piss. That. Yeah, phenomenal <laughs> movie. So Love underrated. It. So fucking under. Eric, you ever see that? I didn't expect to call that, but no. Oh, <laughs> uh, you got to fucking, you got to get yourself yeah. fake tonight and watch no, class. I got act. a to-do list tonight. I know we're skipping. I know we're going to skip some time here. Like, so, cause I know you released a, a couple albums. I, I don't know if you want to touch on it. I actually posted your diss to Talib, uh, Quali back like four years ago. And I feel like you're like, you've been the ambassador for like white rappers who kind of get shit on for like taking advantage or being culture vultures. And like, how did, how did Talib, Quali and you, and I know Don Cheadle got involved too. And you were Don. like, yeah, you, you, you go, you go, I love doing traffic, but stay the fuck out of it or something like that. I look like yeah, Don I posted Cheadle. this fucking music video. One of the first appearances from Don Cheadle was in this cheese dick 80s music video. He's dancing around. He's like this. He's like, he's in this silly outfit, bobbing and fucking weaving. It's funny as fuck. I was like, hey, Don, some of your finest work. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> no, you know what it is, dude? Like I didn't, I didn't intend to be some ambassador for white rappers because I don't even like that shit. With people, like, no, yeah, oh, my yeah, top yeah. five white rappers. I'm like, Ugh. I saw you address that on your, yeah, I saw you address that on your Instagram, and you go into, you're like, I don't know, <gasps> what if I said top five Mexican rappers, Puerto Rican? Yeah, it would be fucking like, weird and awkward. The conversation yeah. would get fucking strange. And then Who's I think someone like Chinese rappers. I'm like, what? <laughs> I think then someone asked you, would you? <laughs> someone asked Diabolic, they go, would you go gay for five thousand dollars? And he goes, no, that's not nearly enough money. Absolutely not. <laughs> no way. 
it's not nearly enough. Fucking, no, it's like, uh, see, I traveled in those fucking activist circles for a lot of years with technique, dude, for like fucking 10 years. Dude, I can't count the amount of like community outreach shit we did. And I, I mean, I never asked for credit for it. I didn't even post about it. You know, like we did fucking free shows all over the goddamn world for everything from fucking you know, like immigration reform to fucking police brutality, everything. We did fucking everything. And I got I got a real close glimpse into the world of the leftists, mm. which is Eric fucking disgusting. To me because it's fucking bullshit. That whole shit is fucking crazy to me. And a guy like Kwali, right? Kwali mm. grew up pretty well. His life was not hard. So... For me to sit here and listen to him berate people all day, it's hard for me to stomach that shit because I know you better than that. I know who you are. You used to fuck the same girl as my friend Abe. For a guy who got me into the first battle, you used to bang this fucking Jewish chick from Brooklyn that Kwali used to bang, and she used to complain about how he had stinky breath. <laughs> He's a fucking private school fucking dork. Fucking my homie Post's mom was his dad's secretary at CW Post University. I know CW Post. That's funny. 